Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn. And I'm Chris Noble. And we're on a journey to explore the brightest and most innovative minds and initiatives in social purpose. Today, companies and brands must stand for something meaningful. They have to have a social purpose and bring that purpose forward to their employees, their customers, and their community. Each episode, we're talking to leaders at Fortune 100 companies, global brands, social enterprise startups, NGOs, and everything in between. We'll be taking a deep dive to learn how they are integrating purpose into their organizations. To benefit both business and society for enduring impact. Join us. Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and I am thrilled to have Daryl Brewster, who's CEO of CECP, with us today. So welcome, Daryl. Thank you, Carol. And it's great to be uh, be here with you on your podcast. Um, CCP is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and they are an amazing CEO-led coalition with the vision that a company's social strategy, how it engages with key stakeholders, including employees, communities, investors, customers, determines a company's success. Now, I've known CECP almost since the day it was born, and it was founded by Paul Newman, and yes, his eyes are that blue, because I did get to, to visit with him once, and John Whitehead. And um, Daryl's going to tell us a bit about the founding of CCP and how they've evolved. So Daryl, let's get into it a bit. Um, and, And I just for our listeners, I always start with the numbers because this organization is very impressive. There are over 250 companies representing 6.6 trillion, that's with a T, in revenues, 21.2 billion in social investment, over 14 million employees that are putting in an extraordinary 23 million hours of employee engagement um, in one year, and 15 trillion, again, T, in assets under management. Woo! That's a lot, Daryl. How do you actually manage this organization with all these wonderful companies? Well, Carol, you know, we're working with the world's leading companies since CSP was founded uh, 20 years ago, when you must have been very, very young if, if you were there at, at that time. But <laughs> we really work with these companies to encourage them and to empower them to be a force for good in society. I mean, the research is increasingly clear that people do expect business to both make a profit, that's fine, that's good, they can reinvest that in other areas, uh, reward the risk bearers who invested in them, and at the same time, be good actors in society. And in a world now where government is sometimes challenged, the media is being questioned, business with its resources, its global outlook and view really can and has been a force for good in society. And our role is to really tap into that and to encourage and enable companies to really move forward, which we do through our our team, our very talented team here at CECP. And and let's go back. Let's turn the dial back to like, why was CECP created? Because when it was founded, it was the Committee to Encourage Corporate Philanthropy. 
Now, 20 years ago, there was no committee doing that. So that's why I was so excited. I met with um, their CEO, Charlie Moore at the time. I remember not what hotel we were in, but I remember where we sat. I, I saw and found a like-minded organization that said business can be a force for good. So talk a little bit about how it was founded and then your profound shift in this year to now chief executives for corporate purpose. Yeah, no, thanks, uh, Carol. Uh, it was founded and it was a radical thought back last century, right? Back in the late 1990s, at a time when greed was good, the tech bubble had not yet burst, but it was growing. Um, and a time that business was not expected to necessarily be a good actor in society. It would be punished when it went out. But there were other areas that were going on. And what you had come together is leaders from a number of different parts of society. Uh, you mentioned before John Whitehead from the capital markets, former uh, chairman and CEO of Goldman Sachs. David Rockefeller, Rockefeller family and the philanthropic side of things. Paul Volcker from a governmental perspective. Uh, Peter Malkin uh, from business side, family owning uh, Empire State Building, Empire Trust Realty. And this actor slash salad dressing maker, Paul Newman, all coming together with the belief that the world's leading companies, and that's our focus, is working with really big companies, that those big companies can and should be a force for good in society. And when Paul Newman was asked about well, what could these companies do uh, where you don't always have as high a trust as you'd like to see from these companies, I think Paul sat and thought and you know uh, opened those big blue eyes and said, I think they can do more. And I think doing more, doing more for good and good more for society is really what we're focused in here on CCP. You're right. The early days, it was about corporate philanthropy. Uh, you make money over here, a percentage of that, then you invest back into society. And that was the early days of CCP. It had come together because there had been a fairly significant decline in the proportion of companies' profits that were being invested back in society. Now, with profits, companies pay taxes, they invest in new equipment, they may also provide that to their, to their shareholders through dividends or share buybacks. But the, the percent that was going back into societal efforts had really slipped. And that was really where the original CCP came from. As time has gone on, and while CCP remains kind of the expert in that space, uh, the world evolved. And pieces that I know you talk about here, Carol, in your podcast about corporate responsibility, uh, about CSR, these became bigger and more important. And when I uh, took over CCP, having run a number of, of, of uh, large companies myself six or so years ago, um, we had just dropped, we just kept the letters. We were just CECP uh, and we were beyond the corporate philanthropy and other areas where we could work with corporate leaders at the CEO and other level to do two things, support companies to advance what they were doing but also to help business as a whole, to raise the standards for business as a whole. And most recently, because we've seen CEOs getting more and more engaged in these key topics, because we think this is not just about making money in one place and then investing a small portion of that somewhere else, but it's integral to what business does day in and day out, we uh, evolved and changed our name. Uh, we kept the letters. So we could save on our, uh, our, our stationery uh, and our cards. <laughs> yes. So we kept the letters at CECP, but really had that stand for chief executives. And that's what our organization is, you know, well over 200 of the world's leading CEOs. 
for corporate purpose. Now, for some, it might be the coalition encouraging corporate purpose. That's fine, too. But this idea of corporate purpose, the businesses really have a broader role in society. Part of that is making money to be sustainable, to drive their business forward. But part of it's also to help build a better world. Uh, and that is really what we are focused on here at, at, at CECP. So you were um, a CEO uh, most recently at Nabisco um, before you Nabisco. And you also did the Krispy Kreme turnaround. Um, what was there an epiphany moment for you personally where you said, yes, we have to make profits, but we need to do more? Yeah, yeah, I think there's probably a few. You know, I, I was was raised in a family where, where responsibility was like uh, my father's initials were R.E. Brewster. And we thought the R.E. stood for responsibility uh, because he was so focused on that and in, in everything we would ever uh, talk about or do, whether it was in school, whether it was in our community, whether it was in own own, own business areas. As I went through, there was there was great you know, debates. You know, the Milton Friedman um, sense that the the sole and only responsibility of social responsibility of business is increased profits. I mean, that's what we were kind of, we were taught in business school. I mean, that's what we kind of heard. But it hit me in a few different experiences, which I'll share, where I found that companies that had been more responsible that it found ways that they could take their resources and use those for good, that that worked. And in retrospect, I began to kind of understand this kind of power of purpose. So some get into that inductively, others get into it deductively. I, I'm part of the latter camp. Uh, when I did the turnaround at, at Krispy Kreme Donuts, and I remember walking into the local store, um, and Krispy Kreme was under enormous troubles and it had this fast run up in growth, and we were, the company was in trouble. Uh, it was losing money. It was being sued by investors, by uh, its share, the shareholders, by the Department of Justice, by its employees, its franchisees. It was kind of a mess. Uh, and I was asked to clean that up. And I remember the first store I walked into, a woman came over of, of a certain age and gave me a big hug. Said, thank you for being here. Thank you for saving our company. One of the areas I had been asked by the board to look at is we had had a program called fundraising. Fundraising without the D was a way that local schools and community groups could raise money by uh, by selling Krispy Kreme donuts. Teams would raise money. In fact, Krispy Kreme had raised vastly more money the year before I got there than the company had made in profits. No, it made no profits that year, and it raised tens of millions of dollars. Uh, and this program, they were basically provided to the community at half price. So Krispy Kreme made no money, but they could invest that back into society. And we created, you know, our purpose of, of Krispy Kreme was really to bring smiles to the customers and, and communities we served. So this idea of bringing smiles was really critical and found that it was just in the DNA of the company since its founding by Vernon Rudolph, but it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, and in fact, we took those words to bring those smiles from the original founder of the entity, but had gotten away from those. I remember actually when you did that and I said, that is so smart. Yeah. And it was an area where I think the whole organization, while they were worrying about lawsuits and everything else, could kind of rally around. Our job is to bring smiles. We'll, we'll clean up the mess, which we did, but to really bring smiles to those key uh, constituents that, that we had. So that was a, an example of the power of being socially responsible, how it helped save a company uh, and also, I think, really engage its various stakeholders. And in a very simple way, Daryl, you went from marketing at people, mattering to them 
And it seems like it had a very profound um, impact on you. I am really curious. I've never heard the story. When you were recruited for the CECP CEO role, you, what was your first response? Was that, you know, gee, I want to, I don't want to, they do something great. I don't know. Well, I, I had um, was was asked by our, our chairman. I happened to, to know him to consider this role, and you know, the, the couple of pieces that really came out of it. You know, first I was, well, why is this role open? And you mentioned Charlie Moore before, um, who was the legendary CEO of CCP, nineteen fifty two gold medal Olympic runner, a wonderful guy and a and a mentor of mine. And and Doug said, well, well, Charlie's retiring. I said, well, how come? He said, well, he's 85 years old. Um, and my first thought was, well, how hard could this job be? Um, and then I met Charlie, who brought a sense of energy and excitement, enthusiasm, everything he did in his mid-80s and still continues to do that now as he's into his 90s. Um, and as we talked, I also began to understand the power of what we had in front of us, that we had the ingredients to really make something different. Here, thanks to Charlie's work and the team's work at CCP, we'd assembled at that point 150, 175 of the world's leading companies that really wanted to be a force for good in society. You know, some more than others, but they wanted to be a force for good. And I remember doing the math because I approached this as a, as a business guy, right? I, I remember just doing the math on, you know, a, a couple of years. Here's $7 trillion of revenue. If you put that and compare it to other economic units, only bigger ones in the world are the United States um, and China. So I was intrigued by this platform that Charlie and CCP and people like yourself had developed. We'd already gotten a lot of these companies on board. And could we use those to help elevate what companies were doing, help and encourage companies as a whole to do better? And then ultimately, which we've gotten to the last few years, could we even rewire or help to rewire the capital markets to really make sure this kind of notion of purpose-driven business, the business can be a force for good, isn't just, you know, do-goodism. When I meet with companies and new clients and, you know, they ask about where can you get the best information? I want to benchmark. I want to learn. And I always say, whether to them or in my speeches, you need to have your CEO join CECP. So I'm always out there plugging you. But now what I want our listeners to really learn are the many tremendous assets that you bring to bear. So let's start with the strongest. You are CEO led. So why is it critical to have CEOs at the top of your organization? That's question number one. Question number two is, I want you to talk about the board of boards portion, because that's fascinating. Whatever you can say, because I know a lot of it is Adam House rule. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the role of CEOs was, was part of our DNA at CCP. So it was CEOs who got you know, leaders in business and CEOs who got together to really put CEO put CCP together, put it on the map, uh, putting in their own time, their own effort, their own energy. Uh, and with CEOs playing such a leadership role within the companies that they, they run, and again, we're working with big companies, we felt that that direction from the top, that tone set at the top was going to be critical if we're really going to build something here that can be sustainable over time. Uh, so we like what CEOs bring. They bring a, a, a broad perspective. They bring strategic support. 
They can also ensure that the resources are in place to really make a difference. And that is often where the that tone at the top, that organizational purpose can come from. Uh, CEOs are dealing with a multitude of stakeholders, but they realize earlier in their job, as I found, is that you know it moves quickly beyond how do you produce your income statement and operate the group, but you become the personification of that company in the marketplaces in which you compete. It's very exciting to see over the last few years how many CEOs are really taking the lead, um, have a much more global perspective, frankly, than a lot of politicians have, uh, who really are thinking about these issues down the road, not just quarter to quarter. Not every CEO is there yet, but I have seen, uh, frankly, since the days I was in the CEO chair, since I've been at CECP, some real movement in that direction where CEOs recognize they need to step up and talk about key issues with their employees and their key publics, uh, that they need to take a stand. And by not taking a stand, they are taking one. So we're really seeing, I think, great interest, a few leaders, some just great inspirational leaders like a Paul Pullman at a Unilever get there. Others go through really difficult situations with their companies and have to respond. And I think others, and I'm probably more the third camp, kind of get there because the business case is so strong, right? And that I think is really powerful. And that's part of what we try to provide at the Board of Boards, uh, which is an annual CEO gathering. We want CEOs to learn from each other, to learn from some experts. And we want them walking out of that with some real take-home value of things they can go do. Uh, and because they can learn from other CEOs. You know, CEOs who went to business school, many of them learned through case studies. So we like to provide case studies of real-time examples that we can share with CEOs who are going through issues that other CEOs are going through. And I have found it to be terrific personally. I actually wish I had been going to board of boards when I was a CEO. We do publish the highlights of the results so everyone can learn, but we've seen it to be a very powerful way. Friendships and networks are created um, for CEOs to really talk about this role of business in society. This year, coming up in February, our theme will be on tough choices. I may take a hit on my earnings, or I may give up and have to sell a business or acquire a business. What are those tough choices? How do they go through that? Last year, we had the CEOs of Dick's Sporting Goods, who after Parkland took automatic weapons out and uh, took automatic weapons out of Dick's Sporting Goods and PayPal, who talked about basically moving a major investment they were planning to make in the state of North Carolina due to the bathroom bill, an R&D center that they liked. Tough choices. And you're focusing so much on long-termism. Which is, which is something that is very, very important for business. And you launched your strategic investor initiative. I've always said that one of the greatest obstacles to um, corporations adopting purpose and social purpose are the markets. And I, I have to commend you, Daryl, that you took this head on and so can you talk a little bit about the Strategic Investor Initiative and the, um, the momentum that you're gaining? I think business needs to behave both in the short term and deliver on what it said it was going to do. That's an important aspect of business. But it needs to do that within a longer term context. Uh, I'll wax philosophical here for a second. But the vast majority of the people in this nation and even higher percentage around the world live paycheck to paycheck. 
they have limited choice to be able to think broader about where the world is headed and where it's going. Um, our governments should be able to think longer, and certainly businesses have an opportunity to think longer. Very few businesses were launched and made a profit on day one. It took risk. It took investment. It took time to build great businesses. So it really does take time to do that. And if all we're looking at is all the short, and, and again, you have milestones and metrics along the way you need to deliver on. Uh, this is not an either or, but we do need to provide a context of longer term sustainable business under which we can operate day to day. Otherwise, the behaviors, and we've seen them, and how many companies do we have to name? I could just start with the letter V. You know, Valiant, Volkswagen, others who took shortcuts because they didn't think about the longer term implications of what they were thinking about and in, in, in doing. So you need to deliver in the short term. There's value to the market for liquidity. And every day we got to come and do work. But it's within that context of a longer term vision, purpose, strategy that companies really uh, behave. And, and our, my sense, having run companies, having cleaned up a company, that had become so short-term oriented that that's all it worried about. We need to do that with a longer-term context. And that's really what we're seeking to do here at CECP. If everything we care about is just the short-term stuff, then why would business worry about like the environment? It'll be fine for at least a couple of months, although it was a record hot July. Um, why do I care about social? Well, you're not going to deal with those issues if you just think very short-term and myopically. And as you extend that time frame then these issues become increasingly important. Now, there's a balance. We just think, especially in the U.S., that balance has become vastly too short-term and not long enough to think about these sustainable business actions. So what we did, it was a, th a thesis I had. I I'd seen that in companies that were run for long-term, seemed to perform better, seemed to have less issues, seemed to do less dumb things, or when they did them, they, they fixed them faster and, <laughs> and uh, them faster, got quite okay. better. Yep. And so at our board of boards, just a few years ago, um, we set up a panel and we had a, a fabulous panel with um, you know, Richard Edelman from Edelman Trust, your, uh, your, your, your friend. We had Duncan Niederauer, the head of the New York Stock Exchange at the time. We had the head of McKinsey, the great consulting firm. And we had the CEO, um, a woman of CalPERS, the biggest pension fund in America. And we'd set them up very purposely to have this discussion about short and long term and where was the balance? And Ann Stossel, at the time, the CEO of CalPERS, looked at a crowd of CEOs who, unfortunately, were far too many of them were, uh, were, were male, uh, stale, and some even pale, um, looked out and said, you know, the problem with all of you gentlemen and a few women who we had, we, we try to be as diverse as we can uh, within that group, is that you're all too short-term oriented. And started, I think I own a piece of every one of you. And you're all too short-term oriented. And of course, the CEO said, ah, it's not us, and it's you. All you care about is this stuff. He said, I don't care about I have a 30-year time horizon with my pensioners in the state of California. So we had a, a very vibrant conversation in the discussion. We talked about a lot of different ways that we could balance it. 86% of our CEOs agreed there, and we've done the research since. The number stays the same, is that they are too, they believe they are too short-term oriented, and they are giving up, uh, they, they've made decisions for the short term that were not necessarily in the best interest of the long term, but felt they had to do it at the time. What really uh, launched or inspired or sparked our CEO strategic investor initiative, which was to get companies to help share those long-term plans. And once you go thinking about long-term plans, the financial stuff still matters. 
you got to have the right capital allocation, your income. How are you going to build your business model? But things like what are you doing? What are your risks on the environment? How are you dealing and dealing with your workers and the communities in which you're engaged? What is your governance structure? Or do you have a diverse board? How are you thinking about those? It changes the conversation. And that's what we have been really pleased that thanks to the support of, of, of our, our co-chairs, uh, Bill McDab, chairman and CEO of Vanguard, Al Skorsky out of J&J, the chairman and CEO there, a world-class advisory board of investors, of companies, of intermediaries, special service firms. Uh, we've now had dozens of CEOs share their long-term plans. We've had them fly in from Europe to share their long-term plans. We've had something just shy of 6% of the market cap, it's never happened before, have shared their long-term plans or sustainable business plans through our, our, our platform, which has all been real-time and live at this stage. We've had investors representing, you mentioned the T word before, trillions of assets under management, $25 trillion of assets under management who attend each of these sessions. We've had seven so far, eight coming up in, in February. All of these things are done open. We've had companies have half of their employees listen in to listen to their CEO sharing the long-term plan. And these are open to anybody. Anybody in the public can hear those. They're all available on the CSP uh, website, which we can share. So you can look at people who've done them before. And we believe we're starting to really improve this dialogue between CEOs and investors and investors here, not traders. Traders, there's plenty of dialogue. We can read about the newspaper. Stock market went up. It went down. It did this. That's, that's important. That's liquidity. This is about investing. This is about how we're going to build a better world through business. So we're early stage, but we think this sets a context uh, and having uh, comparative plans that connect to ultimate value. It starts with your corporate purpose. You talk about your values, talk about your strategy, but then you get into a lot of the elements, financial, as well as items that were considered non-financial now, but will be in the future. Uh, so, okay, let me just break in for a second, because this is incredible. So we have chief communications officers um, or chief sustainability officers um, or other or perhaps a chief strategy officer listening to our podcast. And this long term ism is music to their ears. And so what are the one or two suggestions um, that you would say to them if their CEO is not yet a member of CCP, but they are trying to take their reputational challenges, good and bad, their employee engagement, their community commitments, their customer requests for being socially responsible? How do they move their CEO if they're not a member of CCP and they're still looking at the short term? Yeah, no, I think it's a great, a great question. Well, first, you know, we would encourage them to, you know, visit our website. Everything we do is we, we publicly share the vast majority of it. So there's a lot of great sources there to kind of build that internal business case. That may be one way to do it. Secondly, we certainly would encourage them to consider with key players to join CCP. We're a, a 501c3 membership organization. Yeah, every company in America can afford it. I think even Krispy Kreme could afford it when we were not making any money. We eventually did. Uh, so that's not an issue. But it's an opportunity to get people to kind of think about purpose and think about that broader role of business society. Many of people have read the Larry Fink letter. And in many ways, we're operationalizing that letter, right? He's made the call for long-term. People want to share their long-term plans. 
People weren't quite sure how to do that. Now we're doing it. We're doing it in open, uh, transparent fashion, FD compliant. We've had dozens of companies do it. And we sense that every company ought to be able to share its long. Don't give away secrets. You don't have to do anything. It's getting it. But you ought to be able to share your long-term plan, your purpose, your values. How are you thinking about that? Um, that I think can be attractive to the investors who are going to invest for a long term. This is about investing. And how do you attract people who are going to invest in you? And whether it's with their money, vanguards, the Black Rocks, the State Streets, the big insurance funds and pension funds, or whether they're investing their time, employees, or their own personal money in terms of being a supplier of yours or being a customer of yours, people want to understand kind of where you're, where you're coming from. What's your purpose? What are your values? How are you thinking about on these, these strategies? So we've been able to take Again, these dozens of CEOs share the plan. How do we do this? Are, do we care about attracting longer-term investors? Are we here for just the next quarter, short-term gain? Or are we really here trying to build sustainable value? And that's what we're really uh, aiming to do. Um, and that doesn't mean companies don't make tough choices on uh, you know, plant uh, rationalization, consolidation, changing product. And that's part of business. That's good. But doing it within a context here of your longer-term purpose. And what are, you, are you trying to bring smiles to people's faces? As we talked to Krispy Kreme, are we trying to outperform our competition as we did at Nabisco? What is the purpose that you're really uh, driving you as an entity? And are you living up to that? Yeah. Or you are General Motors and you're moving humanity forward and they're doing it via their zero, zero, zero plan, zero crashes, zero emissions and zero congestion. Powerful, visionary comments that drives your behavior. Now, as you do that, you're also dealing with the world as it is today. So this is, as we say to a lot of people, this is not about perfection. Um, We have people involved. Um, This is about the journey and how do you get better over time? Absolutely, the journey. So the journey is accomplished. The CEO, C-suite, cross-functional sets the vision, the purpose. And then you have individuals that go to your two-day summit who are executing the strategy. And they could be presidents of foundations. They could be heads of CSR. Can you talk about that? Well, and and thank you, by the way, uh, Carol. Not only have you been a a fan of CCP and a a good friend of ours, but you, I probably have learned more about this space. I I was a CEO of publicly traded companies from you than than anybody else in terms of understanding the the power of purpose, how that can really drive not only... uh, addressing key societal issues, which is incredibly important, but how that really can help business, right? Attract and retain employees and build brands and address their supply chain and other issues. So I, I do want to take at least the second to kind of mention that as, as, as well. Uh, so we have events throughout the year and activities throughout the year that we can work with our companies that join us. So I, I kind of think of it as a retained consultancy, right? You pay a small amount of funds and we're there to help you out few things that we do, I think, that are big, and I can uh, take that. One is the summit you mentioned. We hold it each May, uh, and we'll have 250 of corporate leaders, we call them. They come from many different, there's 16 different titles in the room at minimum. Some report in HR, some report in sustainability, some report to the CEO, some are in a corporate communication. That's a a really important point, Daryl, because I think that some people, you know, historically, it was the president of the foundation when you were philanthropy focused. But now it's so broad. So I'm glad you brought that point up. So much broader. Uh, we have one uh, one of our uh, favorite uh, companies uh, person is the president of the foundation, the chief diversity officer, 
and the senior VP for corporate affairs. Um, so it's those kinds of folks that we're really bringing. And that's an opportunity for us to share the leading practices in the field. And we'll bring in some speakers to really get people to think, share information, share insights, you know, encourage networking, because this is a field that's grown. As you know, Carol, it didn't exist 20 years ago. Uh, and also provide some inspiration. Because sometimes these jobs can be lonely jobs. It's not the way a lot of middle management the company thinks. Um, so you have a lot of pushing and prodding and, and persuading within your organization. So we think these summit is, is one of our, our, our great events for corporate leaders. Beyond that, because we know that at some level, this is about building that business case for the vast majority of, the comp- of companies. We also provide a, the biggest survey in the field. Uh, we have you know, 300 plus companies participate in our survey each year. We now do it around the globe as well. Uh, this year, we'll be just shy of 30 billion uh, invested dollars uh, on this area. And that has is, is a Bible for people, small b. It is a Bible. We utilize it all the time to really benchmark, you know, where, because so many companies want to know, do I want to be at the median? Do I want to be better or not? People want to yep. know. And then we do benchmarking on this throughout the year. So we do literally hundreds of benchmarks where companies will come in and say, I have a meeting with my CEO coming up next Tuesday or my board of directors in a couple of weeks, I'd like to understand how we're doing versus others. Remember, we're in the encouragement business. So we will help people think about that. We'll provide the business case. It's it's great. We do, again, more than one of these every day for companies, uh, helping them provide it, providing them the business case to really uh, share those. We also publish another piece now because we've seen that uh, the world has continued to evolve to the core business called investing in society which builds off of our giving in numbers, but also includes other ways and case examples of what companies are doing to build a better world through business. And that's one we publish as as well each year. All those are publicly available. And that has great case studies that we find companies really are are, are intrigued and interested in. So we have the summit. We have publications. We also work with a number of our companies that want to get deeper with us on what we call Accelerate Projects. Uh, many join a C-speed community. Uh, probably 25, 30% of our companies are in a community. And there are topics the companies pick. Uh, it might be diversity and inclusion. Uh, it might be, uh, last year we had one on the opioid crisis. We had a bit, a dozen, 15 companies who talked about that. What could they do in these areas? Our notion is to be very much real world. We want to give people things they can take back and, and utilize and do through our, our communities based on their efforts and priorities. And then we have our roundtable series throughout the year where we will convene companies by industry, issue or geography to talk about you know, what's happening in that space. Because it's such a fast growth space that doesn't have there's no textbooks on this. So, so well, good, because we, we've got some new research coming up. So maybe we can do that together. We're almost getting to the bottom of this interview, which could go forever because you're just so incredibly passionate and smart about this. But w- looking at your crystal ball, Daryl, in the next five to 10 years, what will it look like for corporations engaging with society? Yeah, I think if the trends continue, we're going to continue to see the expectations rise for business. Now, there is going to be pushback. There already is. Um, and there's going to be you know things. So it's the, the lines in these things rarely go straight. So there's going to be some ups and downs along that. But I think in today's social media, low cost of getting information world, the companies are going to be expected to really be well-run companies, 
but to be forces for good in society. And frankly, the bigger the company, the, the higher that bar will be. We see that in all of the research that we're, we're out there, right? Especially knowledge workers. They're, that's the expectation people have. I want to work for a company that's a good company doing good stuff within the world. You know, a lot of the talk about ESG, environmental, social, and governance, we think there is just so much momentum behind that, uh, that we're going to hear more and more of that as we go forward. It's not going to eliminate short-termism, but I think that balance is going to get quite a bit better here as we move forward. I think we're also going to see, and we're in the early stages of it, um, more collaborative efforts with companies. And most of the big issues in the world not even, you know, Nabisco could have solved that, except for Oreo. Something to get you to have your milk. <laughs> Oreo has that one. Dunk in the dark. Um, but beyond that, we're going to need companies to partner and work together. And companies, governments are struggling to get it done. They're virtually all, the debt levels are enormous with governments. And collaboration. Um, I totally agree with you. The opioid ec- epidemic, hunger, homelessness, housing, environment, the list goes on and on. How do you convince? a C-suite to collaborate when so often they go, but I want something that's for us, that's going to truly, um, you know, imbue our reputation. I I think we're still early stage in this. Uh, I think companies in many cases have to see it as somewhat pre-competitive. And I think we are starting to get some examples, but we don't have that many yet. Uh, one, the two that we work with, that we think do represent this. One would be veterans on Wall Street or vows, vows, uh, which brought banks together to talk about how we could take uh, military men and women after they've served and get them into the workplace. Another, which I really like, is the group at, uh, of, of major professional service firms who have led the way on CEO action for diversity and inclusion. So they came together. Um, a few of them took the lead, but they, they played down their own brand name. They realized this is really important for their, their employees, their customer base and broader. And they now will get you the number, but there's hundreds of companies and organizations, including CCP, that have signed up. They're providing real world tools about how we can understand the power of diversity, how we can increase and become more inclusive in our world. And I give these professional service firms and now hundreds of companies coming together because I realized it wasn't just about them. And some may have their own. That, this is going to set a new standard. We are also seeing some real work happening at a community level where CEOs of certain communities are really coming together because it's all in their best interest to do that. Um, and it's not generally about just writing checks. In fact, it's rarely. It's about coming together and have, being a, a voice of why this is important for us to do, whether it's on uh, social issues, whether it's on helping to attract investment to a community um, or tackling other, other, other topics. Okay, so as we unfortunately have to wind this down soon, what are your top three insights for um, high level social purpose practitioners? Um, They could be in the C-suite. They could be, again, in many one of those titles, but they're they're higher level in the organization or very high level. What are your key insights so that the ones that aren't quite members of CCP, but they know that purpose is it, it has huge momentum now. What can they do to convince their CEOs and that they can drive their organizations forward? Yeah, I think as we think about a corporate world, I think looking at this like you would other business challenges is a way to, 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 to really help out. Rather than make this so weird and different, 
the basics here are the same, right? Understand what your situation is that you're trying to address. Align on the key goals that you're looking to achieve. And there may be some shorter term and some longer term goals. Think through about where those strategies are. And, and the opportunities here in this space in terms of innovation, partnering. I mean, we talk about collaborating, but companies are partnering all the time in other areas. But thinking about what are those best practices and leading practices you can bring to the party on those is really key. And you mentioned earlier, you're also measuring, right? And measuring and having milestones and metrics along the way to see whether you're making progress. But I think if you think about this in a kind of a think to win type of a perspective, of you know, what is it the issue you're really trying to address? Where are you? Where are you headed? Purpose, others, other elements that you're looking at, what are the resources that you can put against it? It's about strategic connection, getting the CEO or senior leader buy-in to really make the piece happen. It's about bringing innovation and innovative thinking to the party, uh, just as you might for a marketing campaign or a new product development. Um, you know, looking about how you can partner both internally and externally and then measure um, so that you can get better as time moves on. So I, I think those business practices can be really helpful and not think about this as some you know, weird, far off world. This is what you're in. The world expects you to do this. Um, you're expected, you know, 80, 85 percent of citizens around the globe, they can't agree on what the color of the sky is. But 85 percent believe business can make a profit and be good for society. Um, and, you know, and they can vote if they don't like that. So I think we're going to see more of that in the future. And I think those are areas where I think leaders can really take a, an opportunity. And those that have, have seen uh, like Stuart Walker or Stuart, Stuart Parker at USAA, that, it's, that thought process helped transform an entire en en enterprise. And there's many others we get into. So, so in closing, um, what haven't I asked you? Because you've been so eloquent on so many issues um, in our conversation today. Well, you haven't asked me how great Carol Cohn is, um, but pretty much everybody knows that. So we can Thanks, uh, I, avoid I appreciate that. Look, we all live day to day in the short term, but we usually have our most success when we're starting to think about what we're trying to achieve down the road. So, you know, the idea of when you're going to school that you're going to kind of graduate, I mean, that gives us something to aim for. That gives us a purpose, uh, a raison d'etre um, that we have. And I think that's sometimes where business can, can, has moved away because it's been so short term based on the trader influence on that. But that idea of where are we kind of headed here? Where, where do we want this world to be, you know, as, as we move into our next phase or our next role or, 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 uh, or job? I think that, um, it is an important area of, of what people can uh, can look at and do. In closing, what is your purpose, Daryl Brewster? I think really, having spent a long time in the food industry and others, is how do I blend together the ingredients that can either make for a better donut or a better community or blend together those ingredients that could make for a better world? And in doing that, how to help to maybe nourish the dreams of whether it's people in my family or friends or colleagues that are here as well. But I think that's the idea. And when I say blend the ingredients, I don't, it's, it's our team. It's people like Jackie, who's here with me and, and Sarah and Nandika and uh, Carrie, who are all part of our CSP team. It's our companies. They represent the ingredients. So can we create a recipe here that can help them to be successful? And that's kind of what I've been doing throughout my career and when I've worked in the food business. But in many ways, that's the role here. I mean, we, we're the encourager. We're putting the recipe together. We're, we're blending all that stuff. We're, we're 
but it's going to be others who are really going to help to make this thing happen. And our role is how do we work through those hundreds of companies with trillions of dollars so that we can help them get a bit better on the, on the journey to a, a better world through business. That, that's fantastic. So I have to say that 19 years ago, when I first met Charlie Moore, he was even ahead of his time in terms of this idea. And when it became time for him to retire, I was worried. What could, you know, Daryl do? How was he going to move this forward? And I have to say, and this is not shining you, that your business acumen, that your enthusiasm, that your your energy, which is different from Charlie's, you weren't an Olympian, but you are a business Olympian. You've you just don't know about my Olympian. Uh, you're a tremendous. Hey, let me kind of give you the you know the accolades. Um, you've just done a tremendous job with CCP. And I can only see it getting better and better. And so I trust that today our listeners have learned a lot. Um, hopefully their organizations um, will, if they're not members, will um, investigate becoming members. But also you're so generous with your um, resources that they can access your resources from giving in numbers to investing in society and truly move their purpose forward. And so I want to thank you, Daryl. Keep up the great work. Know that we are always in your corner, um, as well as helping your colleagues as, as whenever we can. And this work has now become mainstream and it's strategic. And I know we all will be better because of your leadership and because of CCP. So on behalf of Purpose 360, I want to thank you. And I want to ask our listeners to ask themselves what is your purpose? 